All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. morning everybody thank you for listening welcome back to dropping the gloves here in the united states we're recovering tim from the long weekend labor day how was your weekend tim uh it was good it was good saw some friends and then most of the weekend i was kind of like laying low and just getting stuff done running errands doing things i've been putting off planning my brother's bachelor party which is in about not even a month um back in boston and yeah, just kind of relaxing. I baked bread on Sunday. That was pretty good. I've been eating that still. Pretty chill. How about you? What do you do to plan a bachelor party? What do you What do you do? Uh, a lot of like herding cats when it comes to getting people to like agree on dates and all that. That stuff's all done. And then it's just like reservations for a hotel. And ours is local. It's in Boston, so like all his friends are up there already. So I, I had to book a flight. And then I got to book the, the dog boarding thing. And then I get the hotel reservation, the restaurant reservations, all that stuff. But it's fun. It'll be fun. What's the plans? Where are you guys going? Are you, are you just going to take up a show, maybe go to go to a nice musical and maybe <laughs> get a martini afterwards? What's what's the game plan for the bachelor party? Well, it's funny because my brother doesn't really drink much and neither do his friends. Maybe one or two of them is only not like four- you, you animal. Well, it'll only be six of us total, including me and him, and then four kids. They all grew up together. One was our neighbor. Like they've been friends since they were all three, four, five years old. So uh, they grew up together. And because they're not much of a, a a party group, I think the idea for the bachelor party is kind of lean into the the childhood stuff and the things they grew up doing together. So like, there's something we're doing during the day. It's like it's called arrow tag. It's like dodgeball, but with bows and arrows, with like the foam tips and stuff almost like paintball where you're behind the barriers and stuff. Um, and this is, these are guys that grew up like just obsessing over Lord of the Rings and all that sort of stuff. So they'll love it. Um, things like that. Like that's only like an hour out of the day, but leaning into the the nerdier, wholesome stuff for this particular crew. Okay. There'll okay. still be plenty of beers and food and don't, don't worry about that. The only really bachelor party I went to was right after high school. One of my friends got married real young and we did the old school thing where we kidnapped them. 
Mm. He was at his, and he was a strong, this, this kid was strong. What was his name? His name was Pat, um, golly, so long ago, probably 20 years ago now, if not more, Pat, and he was so strong. We could we could barely kidnap him. So yeah, we put a hood over his head. We did the usual stuff that you do. You bar shots, this and that, and it was a good time. It was fun. No, we didn't LARP. We did. We didn't shoot bulls and arrows like you guys are doing and that sort of thing. But I'm sure you'll have a good time. Like I'm you know, sure it was still a good party. I'm sure it was fine. Don't put it down. I know you didn't get to do all the fun things, but I'm sure I it didn't was get fine. to do that. Don't even tell me you're going to play Dungeons and Dragons, Tim, because then I'll be super jealous. Green with envy. Are you? No, no, I don't think any of them have played. You can't get too crazy in one night. Like you have to save something for the next day. You can't go all out. Speaking of saving something, my hummingbirds, Tim, I, I, I've been having issues with them. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna spill, spill it all. There was, I think, a big fight over my hummingbird feeder because i had consistently one hummingbird for like a month and a half one guy black with a white stripe on his belly show up every single day like clockwork multiple times a day i'm like this is great but then after you know a couple days a couple weeks a month months two months maybe i was like this is where are all the other hummingbirds and i thought this guy is just alone it's sad am i tying him to this hummingbird feeder and he's not you know, going out there and branching out into the world. Next thing I know, literally two or three days later, two hummingbirds show up. So there's three and life is good. But now for the last week, I haven't seen my guy, old white stripe, black, black feathers on the top. I don't know if they elbowed him out of the situation, that one original hummingbird to my feeder. And now I've only seen two for the longest time. I haven't seen old Blackbeard. So I don't know if they killed him or if hummingbirds are territorial and they protect their food. I don't know. I'm not a hummingbird aficionado. So that that's what's been going on with my hummingbird. And I got some bad news about the garden too, everybody. I had a beautiful garden planted. I, I, I fertilized it. I've been watering it every day. And there's been animals eating my my fruits, my, well, the fruits of my labor, the vegetables of my labor, my tomatoes, they are just coming in. I'm harvesting. And every morning I wake up, I come out and there's tomatoes on the ground chewed up. So yesterday I was just sitting on my couch and I have a big glass window, obviously it's glass. I'm looking at the garden. I see this damn squirrel just saunter over, literally grab a tomato off the vine, num, 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 take a couple bites and then piss off down the way and i'm so upset i'm just like that's what's eating because i didn't know it was it a chipmunk was it like a possum or a raccoon or a skunk or whatever stinking squirrels tim and you can't defend against a squirrel there's nothing i can do what about a scarecrow do you have one they're not gonna be scared of a scarecrow a squirrel you think maybe an owl that's actually a good good idea no i don't have anything because this is the second year anyways i'm i'm I I was a little upset because I spent tons of hours watering, fertilizing, planting, weeding, keeping the kids off of the garden. I have about 15 tomato plants and I'm just watching my effort just slowly, but surely dwindling away every day. I'll come out and there'll be more tomatoes gone and they're not ripe enough yet to pick. And I don't know if tomatoes, can you pick them? They'll ripen later on like other vegetables will. I don't, I don't think you can. I think you have to leave them on the vine. Like if you pick a green tomato, it's going to stay green. 
But if there's other vegetables, if you pick it, it'll continue to like a banana, a banana, banana will ripen. If you pick it when it's green, you know what I mean? I do. I don't know if you're right though. Cause that, I think, um, uh, uh, peppers, peppers don't change. That's why there's different colors. It depends on when you pick it off the vine, even though they're all the same pepper. I think tomatoes, like I picture my mom having like green tomatoes sitting on the windowsill waiting for them to ripen, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Peter doesn't know what she's doing. And I think there's green peppers and red peppers and yellow peppers. And orange, but they're all the same pepper. It's just a matter of when you take it off the plant. Are you sure? Yeah, it's all the same. They're all bell peppers. I learned that like two years ago. Blew my mind. I'm going to have to look into that. I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah, it's true, man. I'm actually going to look this up when we're done with this podcast because I'm going to write that down. All right, we had some other big news too. Friend of the show, and this came out of left field. I thought this guy, JT Miller. We're 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 transitioning to hockey, Tim. Now we've we've gone, we've delved into personal life. Now we're getting back to the hockey podcast. Everybody's doing a exhale. JT Miller signed a big deal, a big big deal, fifty six million dollars. Seven, no, how much was it? 56. Yeah, 56 million dollars, seven years. What did you think of that? Because after our podcast, the response from everybody, all the pundits, even the people in Vancouver, was that was the final nail in the coffin. He pretty much said negotiations have stalled, they're not even close. Then all of a sudden, fast forward a week, Tim, literally a week since we talked to him, he's putting ink to paper. million, seven years. Vancouver Canucks now have the guy for a long time. He is the Vancouver Canucks guy for seven years. He will be the longest tenured guy. They are all in on JT Miller. What did you think? I texted him right away. I was like, congrats on the deal. I do feel like I'm responsible for this. And he texted back, ha ha, I think so. Then I said, seriously, I don't think you get a deal done without me. And he goes, ha ha, I don't know, or something, ha ha, real funny. And I doubled down. I said, seriously? (laughs) No, really. I'm serious. I'll talk to you in seven years. (laughs) Because like a little play, like, oh, we only talk when you get a deal done. But I I do honestly believe that probably fast-tracked everything. When we had the podcast, the articles that were written, everybody's talking about how they're so far apart negotiations. And then a week later, bingo, bango, bongo, we got a deal. 56 Schmill in the bank, baby. Vancouver Canucks. We got JT Miller. Everybody was second guessing this deal. Well, it's going to take him. He's going to be 37 years old. He's 30 years old now. 30 30 years old right now, presently. I like this deal. I like what JT Miller brings to your team. I think when he leaves Vancouver, whatever they would have gotten for them, and we say it a lot, the team that's getting the best player usually wins the trade. And if you're trading for JT Miller and you're giving up a first round draft pick to Vancouver, most likely JT Miller will be the best player in that trade. So I don't know. What did you think of this deal? It's it's a lot of money for a lot of term. Yeah, it kind of surprised me. I thought that either the deal wouldn't get done, which it seemed like it wouldn't, um, or I thought it would come in later. So the fact that it came in now did surprise me. And it, and it also is interesting. I, I don't know why this happened certain times, but the team tweeted it out. It wasn't broken by any insiders. No one was ahead of the news, not Sarah Valley or Weeks or anyone else. It was the team that shared the news, which doesn't happen too often. So it must have came together pretty quickly. I bet JT, they had their number. The Canucks called and offered it. They said yes, and that was it. The deal was done. So that's probably how it happened. 
Yeah, this is such. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say you do have a point about uh, not to you know pat our own shoulders, but like the idea of the show pushing things out because when there's a star player negotiating and not signing yet, there's like a split audience, right? Tend to be like, okay, the team needs to to pony up and give this guy what he wants, and also like. Uh, JT Miller, he must be asking for too much. It's not that good. 99 points is thick aberration. Maybe he wants to leave. Everyone knows it. And when he came on, the message was very clear. I want to be a Canuck. I want to stay. The number's got to be right. He put all the pressure and all the onus on the organization, which I think that that does move things along a little bit. He made his position very clear, and it worked in his favor, ultimately. And he was very matter-of-fact about it. And, and the reason he could do that, he had all the power. He had all the leverage. He basically said, yeah, this is my number. Sign me or trade me and I'll go find that number somewhere else. That's it. Black and white. There's no ifs. There's no ands. There's no buts. There's no restricted free agency. There's no this or that with the Matthew Kachuk saga. It was, I'm JT Miller. I'm going to get you 75 to 100 points every single year. And I bring all the intangibles that you want from me. I kill penalties. I hit. I block shots. I'll drop the mitts once a year when you need me to, when the team needs it. And I'm just accountable. You know what you're going to get from me every single year. If you want it, take it. If not, there's 20 teams that will. And they'll pay me that $8 million. That's my number. I I bet you that's how the negotiations went. Like, Why would he budge from that when he knows he'll get it somewhere else? There were other teams salivating to get JT Miller at the trade deadline last year, the trade deadline this year, I'm sure there'd be a laundry, a lineup around the block for this guy. So good for him. Is it good for Vancouver though, Tim, a team that hasn't made the playoffs in two years, a team that has tons of question marks on him. Now you got Pedersen locked up for two years at 7.3. You got Besser locked up for three more years at 6.5. You got Garland locked up for a few more years. You got JT Miller locked up now for $8 million. You got Quinn Hughes. You still got Oliver Ekman Larson. Is this the team that's going to take you to the Stanley Cup? That's the big question because the last two years they haven't. And we posed this to JT. We said, what's the difference? Why why, why is anything different? And he's like, we just got to have a better start. You know, the answer is in, in this locker room. So do you think this group has a Tim? They brought in a couple, you know, Curtis Lazar they brought in. They bring in a couple tertiary pieces. What do you think about this team's chances this year? Uh, chances to make the playoffs, I like it, especially obviously bringing back arguably their best player in JT Miller. It's tough, though, because like this group hasn't done much, and it's hard to expect that you're going to get different results this year. And now everyone's a little bit older, a little wiser, new coach. You got a fresh start. You got the young kids stepping up and, and taking strides in their game. So maybe this is a, a, a vote of confidence, the fact that JT Miller wants to be here, the fact that management is making a statement saying we're bringing him in. We we want to be a winning organization. We don't want to rebuild anymore. Um, that can do a lot for players, right? Like as, as a player, you know what the expectations are for the year, regardless of what's on paper. You know the like you start losing, pieces are going to start flying off the shelves, like like Buffalo, right? And other teams where if you if you know you have the vote of confidence from the players, from the from the leadership from the organization, it can really impact the way you play the game, especially out of the gate, which as JT Miller shared was so important for them. Yeah, I agree. They're, they're over the cap right now. I don't know what the long-term injury um, implications are, what their, what their deal is. So they will have to do some finagling salary cap wise. And now the bigger question is this year aside, what do you do with Bo Horvat? He's your captain. He's the guy you drafted this guy. He's 25 years old. 
He will be, or sorry, excuse me, 27 years old. He's going to be UFA after this year. He's as good as gone, in my opinion. I think you were picking between JT Miller and Bo Horvat. You could not bring them both back without moving something. If they could potentially get out from that Ekman Larson contract, you'd really have to package that with a couple draft picks and a prospect because that that's a that's a bad contract. He still has five years on that deal, making seven point two six. So that, that that that's a tough pill to swallow. But I don't know. Bo Horvat, as it stands right now, looks like he's gone. They're putting all their chips in the JT Miller basket which is a good basket to be in. I like that guy, obviously. Friend of the show, two-time friend of the show. And it's a good signing for Vancouver. I do think, gosh, I, they bring in Makiev, you bring in Lazar, you got Pod, Pod Colson. People are raving about him. He had a good season, his rookie year coming into his second year. People are just drooling to see what he does this year. It's the back end. Can the back end hold their own? Can they just play to their potential? Can Tyler Myers... You know, be that guy. Quinn Hughes continue to progress. Can the the rest of the depth defensemen, Dermot, Shen, Burroughs, play serviceably? They don't have to play out of this world. Just play okay. You got Thatcher Demko. You got one of the top five, ten goalies in the league. He's going to make some saves that he shouldn't make. Can the defense just be okay? That's all we need him to be because we have, on paper, pretty good forward crew. You got three legit first, like three good lines who can put pucks in the net. So I don't know. I'm, I I don't want to predict because every year I'm like, Vancouver's going to make a run. They're going to be in the Stanley Cup contention. Then they go out and they stink for the first 20 games. And it's like, oh, here we go. They suck again. But they bring in Bruce Brudeau. Everybody loves Bruce. He, he obviously had some kind of impact on him last year. Can this carry over to this season? We'll see. What we do know is JT Miller's there. And he's got a big, fat bank account. After the call, I'm building, obviously, a house. His wife's an interior designer, and we're texting back and forth. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, good luck with everything. This is after our last podcast. And he's, yeah, you know, let me know when you go for the interior designer. You know, you, you can hook up with my wife. And I said, JT, I'm more of an IKEA guy at this stage in my life. You're 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 way out of my price range. And usually, someone would be like, no, no, we'll make it work. He just goes, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> 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 I was like, uh, all right. Yeah. She, I looked at her website. She does good work. I, it, way too expensive for me. All right. Moving on. Last episode. I got the topic of captains was brought up. Which teams don't have them? Who's going to be their captain? And, and I made a mistake. Everybody jumps on us, especially the Montreal fans. because they're, they're very smart fans. They're very knowledgeable. We said, what, Pacioretty was their last captain. I wasn't sure. We're clipping through things pretty quick. And yes. Weber, Shea Weber was their captain. Mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. Is is that is that a good apology, Tim? <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Just like a couple of people tweeted out, like, hey, heads up, you forgot this guy, whatever. And some you always get some that are like, OMG, you effing morons. You guys don't know anything about hockey. How could you forget? And it's like, guys, come on, relax. Very passionate. Yeah, I mean, I love it. And thank you for listening. I'm glad that mistakes happen. Thanks for pointing it out when you hear it. But let's also let's also recalibrate when it, when the time comes, right? Well, because you're trying to make smooth, you, like we're trying to do a good product here, make smooth transitions, and we have an agenda. And I'm trying to make sure, okay, we're talking about this. Let's move on to the next one. And a lot of times we go off on tangents, and with the captain thing, that wasn't really on our radar. Like trying to think of who was the last cat. Anyways, my my mistake. 
Shea Weber was the captain. He got injured. He was still a captain. That's why they haven't had a captain because it's Shea Weber. My apologies. They did not have one last year because Shea Weber was technically, wasn't he on the team or got traded? So he was not on the team. So yes, they are a captainless team. Moving on. Same, same category though. Captains. Last episode, I was um, waxing poetically about my perfect captain. Not skill, not um, ability, just, just height, height and weight. I think that's all, that's what I look for in captain. Someone tweeted us a pretty good meme. It was like six foot captain, and it was a picture of who was the guy? It was Vince really man. Yeah, the Vince wrestling man. It was like six foot, and I'm just like whatever. Six foot two, and I get more excited. Six foot four, and I'm like losing my mind. And six foot six, and I'm just like, this is the greatest thing ever for a captain. Who tweeted that? I was really funny. That was. Um, Tom, Tom IG at Hearth. That was a funny one, Tom. Thank you for listening. But it, it, I did say last episode I was going to dig into the average height of the captains. And you'll be happy to know you will not be disappointed. I was absolutely correct. The average height of the captains in the NHL is six foot one and three quarters. That's the average height of the captain in the NHL with a weight of 207 pounds. There's 25 captains currently in the NHL. Who do you think is the smallest one, Tim? The smallest captain by height. And wait, it's the same guy. It's uh, not even close. Like this guy is by far the shortest and by far weighs the less, least by at least 30 pounds, maybe even 40. I'm so bad at thinking of something like this off the fly. Uh, Jared Spurgeon. Jared Spurgeon. Uh, yeah. Five foot nine, 167 pounds. Wow. There's only two captains that are under six foot, and it's him and Sidney Crosby. Sid the kid is five foot 11. Those are the only two captains under the height of six foot. There's a few guys at six foot flat. The tallest captain, Tim, if you could hazard a guess, would be. Anything? Bueller? Uh, Plays in Canada. Uh, Not McDavid, not Tavares. Not Kachuk. Not Horvat. Wheeler? The guy in Montreal. Blake Wheeler. Blake Wheeler, six foot five, 225 pounds. He is the tallest captain. The heaviest captain is who, Tim? (laughs) Wheeler. Tipping the scales at, how much does he weigh? 240 pounds. Wheeler. Alex Ovechkin. Oh, yeah. He's thick. Oh, he's a big boy. He's he's a heavy cat. But don't you think that the captains, like this sample size represents pretty much the spread in the entire NHL? I don't think the captains necessarily skew higher. There's not that many guys under six feet in the league. Yeah, I agree. But I just think you have to be taller. You have to be over six foot to be a captain. There are No, I think the average size of the league is getting smaller by the day. People are valuing skill. They're valuing, you know, puck work with their hands. That That is you know, a premium right now. So I, I I bet you if you logged the average height of the player, it's trending downwards. Whereas the captains are, are 6'2", man. Like I, I, I almost bumped it up to 6'2", but I knew someone would be like, oh, I did the math. It's 6'1 and three quarters. So it's 6'1 and three quarters, 270 pounds, 270 pounds, seven pounds for the average captain. And there you go. And that's what not even including say? Shea Weber. What's that? We said what six one two hundred, yeah, that's what we said. So it's a little bit taller, a little bit more weight, but yeah, I still stand by that. I think if there's two guys, same ability, same leadership skills, same everything, one guy's five eleven, the other guy's six four. You're picking the guy who's six four. 
if they walk into a room, who's going to demand more, more respect? It's the guy who's 6'4". And I apologize to everyone who's short. I was once short at a time when I was a little kid. But I noticed when I grew older, I got more respect because I got taller. So, And if me and my brother walk into a room, nobody even looks at him. It's just, it's just nature, Tim. You know, whatever. All right. Are we moving on? Sure. Yeah. What are we talking about? You're flabbergasted. You don't even touch topics like this. All right. What are we talking about next? Uh, I thought we'd do some way too early predictions uh, for the upcoming year. Some of the the major, major stuff. We won't get too, too in the weeds, but for each of these, I want to do like our kind of safe pick and then a a deep pick. And when it's just a a few categories, let's start with the president's trophy, the team that's going to finish the league with the most regular season points. Who's your safe pick? Who's your deep pick? Oh, man. Last year, it was a swing and a miss for me on this one. I went all in on the Vegas Golden Knights. I thought they were going to have the best season in the history of hockey. And now we're not doing bold, right? We're just doing, like you said, these are safe picks that make the most sense that that everybody who's listening is going to go, you know what? That makes sense. That's what we're going for here. Yeah, your realistic prediction. And then you can throw in a, a deep pick, too, if you want. So last year was Florida. 122 points, 58, 18, and 6. Do I think Florida will duplicate that? I don't. I think they're going to take a step back. I think they hit their peak spot, even with the acquisition of Kachuk. I think Huberto was a better player for them. Uh, I disagree with Radko Gudis. I think Huberto worked better with that team than Kachuk. Well, points-wise, in the playoffs, completely different animal. I think Kachuk's going to be better for them in the playoffs. That being said, the President's Trophy, do you, do you go – for a Colorado team that gets to play weaker opposition night in and night out, or do you go for a team that's, you know, battle tested hungry as Tim likes to say, a team that wants to win a team like Toronto, Minnesota in the, in the West, they were the fifth best team in the league last year. Did you, did you know that? I did know that I'm looking at the same page you are. It's incredible. I'm going to go with the Carolina hurricanes. I think you bring in Brent Burns. You bring uh, back the same cast of characters. Pacioretty will heal up at some point, but I think they still have enough there. I don't think any other team in the East has made a ton of moves. I think Tampa will be worse. I don't know if the Rangers have gotten any better this offseason. I don't think Florida will be as good. I think Carolina is the one team where it's like, man, these guys still look pretty good. They aren't old. They will grow in maturity and be better team. So I'm taking the Carolina Hurricanes. They were only six points off the President's Trophy's pace this past year, and I think they got better in the offseason. So that's my pick. Were you going to take them? Because you yeah, live in North I Carolina? I was. I was going to take them. Well, take um, them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, no, I'm going to mix it up and just make it interesting. I went kind of back and forth on these two teams. I'm going to go the New York Rangers. Another team, same division, where – there's just so much potential there, so much skill. It's, it seems like they've got more to prove still. Um, hopefully they don't they don't exert themselves too much in the regular season because obviously they just kind of disappointed in the playoffs. But I think I could easily see them leading the league in the regular season. So if it's not Carolina, I'd pick them. Yeah, it's interesting we're picking two teams from that just stacked division because any yeah. night that team could lose to another team. It's not like you have an easy pathway. Like Colorado legit has – four to five teams in its own division that it has no business even showing up to. They should just give them two points. But that's how good Colorado is. And that's how bad. And I don't want to say that it's, you know, I, I did it last year. The Pacific division stinks. The central stinks. But if you're Colorado, you're walking into Arizona, Chicago, Winnipeg, Dallas, 
you beat those four teams every single time. You play those teams six to eight times a season. That's a lot of games you're playing against those teams. That's 25 games that you just can just check. I should win at least 90% of those games. And then you look in the Pacific. If you're a team like Calgary, I get to play Seattle, San Jose, Anaheim, Vancouver, Vegas, LA. Like those are a lot of winnable games that you should win. So I don't know. It's interesting that we're picking teams that have to play Columbus, the Islanders, Washington, Pittsburgh. Like those are pretty good teams, Tim. But hey, we'll see how it pans out. Who's your who's your deep pick? The deep pick for President's Trophy? Yeah. I don't know if I have a deep pick. Toronto? I'll go first. I'll go first. All right. Who's your deep pick? The Edmonton Oilers. Well, it has they finished eleventh in the league last year across the whole league, 104 points, which puts them what 14 points behind Florida, 18, something like that. Um they it seems like at some point those guys are gonna have to go off for like an incredible season team wide. McDavid and Josh Settle are already doing it. I'd like to see them all elevate their game. They got now with Jack Campbell between the pipes. If there's a team like outside of a top ten that could finish number one, I think that's it's gotta be that group. I could see that. They just signed McLeod. Good deal. He he's a good third line center. Their top two lines, you can pit them against anybody in the league. Resigning Kane was great. Bringing in um, who'd they bring in? Gosh, I'm like brain farting right now. But they they just had a good off season. I don't know. I just don't trust them. I don't. I just don't trust Edmonton. All right, my my team that's going to finish last. I think this is a no brainer. They did absolutely nothing this off season. They always tank. It's it's got to be the Arizona Coyotes. And and I, I I'm tired. I don't want to dump on these guys anymore. But Montreal has been busy this off season. Seattle has been busy this offseason. Philadelphia is they, they have to start winning. New Jersey, they, they have a good young core. They got some good players. Well, it could be Chicago as well. Chicago or Arizona. Those two teams, I believe, are just earmarked for 32-31 in the league. There's no other teams that were stagnant and or openly tanking like these two teams are doing. So I'm just going to take Arizona because I, I just think they're they're the coyotes. What do you they're think? gonna they're gonna finish dead last in the league, and they're gonna lose the draft lottery and not get Connor Bedard. That's what's gonna happen. It'll probably go to Chicago or someone else like that. Um, but yeah, they're my pick. I don't think there's really other another serious pick for who bottom team right now. Just, well, she's just Chicago, are. Arizona. Here's the question: Do either of these teams have a chance? To have the worst record ever in the NHL, held by the Washington Capitals in 1975, 867 and five. Is that even a record that'll ever be broken? To only have eight wins, 67 losses with five ties. Now with the shootout, that counts. But is that something that these teams can can overmatch, Tim? Can they be the worst team in history? No, no. I don't know what happened. That was the first year of the Capitals expansion team, I think. Um no, we covered that last year and I tracked it until they got to that eight win number. So no, I don't think that's a I don't think that's potential. The Caps in that season, they lost 39 of 40 road games. They won one game on the road. That's that's a bad imagine being on that team. I've been on bad teams. That's a bad team. All right. What else are we talking about? What are the trophies, Tim? Uh yeah, let's go with the Richard trophy for most goals. The Rocket Richard. Let's get let's hear your your Obvious pick and your deep pick. Well, I think it's it's is it a two man race? Is it a three man race? Is it the two Edmonton guys and the guy in Toronto? Is that what we're down to at this point? I I just think it is, and I'm going to go with Austin Matthews. 
I think he is the best goal scorer in the NHL. He's proven it year in and year out, even with a break, even with a bum wrist last year to start the season. The guy just scores goals. He's a moose. He gets up and down the ice. He's got a terrific snapper. His slap shot's unmatched. He's just a, he's a goal scorer. He's a goal scorer through and through. I love the way he plays the game. I'm taking him. I, I, McDavid, maybe. Dreinsidel, maybe. Kreider isn't going to duplicate what he did last year. It, it's got to be Matthews. I don't think there's anybody other than those three that even we should talk about. Or am I just missing somebody, Tim? No. Um, yeah, I would probably, I'll say Dreisaitl just to even it out. But Matthews is probably going to be the, the likely pick. But my my deep pick, it's not really even that deep other than the fact that he had, quote-unquote, only 40 goals last year, which is good enough for 15th in the entire league. David Pasternak entering a career uh, a contract season – wasn't totally healthy last year, missed about 10 games. I'd love to see him go off and get 55, 60 goals. I don't know that that's possible. I think probably 50 would be a great, great season for him. Um, But, yeah, I could easily see him being up there with those other guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. A bigger question is how many people will hit 50 goals? Last year we had four. We could potentially see five, six, seven, eight guys hit 50 goals this this season. But my deep pick is Kirill Kaprizov. He's a good goal scorer. I think the one thing that's holding him back, he does not have an elite centerman to play with. He's playing with Ryan Hartman. He's playing with Matt Zuccarello. Good players. Zooks is a good player. He's getting pretty old. He's not the same player he was five years ago, let alone two years ago. Age is starting to show. And Ryan Hartman, he's like, he's a hard worker, former first-round draft pick. I don't think anybody projected him to be a first-round or first-line center in the NHL. I think he's playing beyond his skills right now. He's being buttressed up by Kaprizov and, and Zuccarello. He adds a lot to that line. But if you gave them a legit first-line center to play with, I feel like Kaprizov would have 55, 60 goals every single year. Imagine if he's playing with a Barkov like he has in Florida, or if you put him in Nashville and he's playing with a Johansson or any decent, anybody, Tim, any other first-line center I think is better than Ryan Hartman. So, I'm going to take Karol Kaprizov. He put 47 in last year, even with Ryan Hartman. I think he's going to play a lot better this year. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, not too much of a, of, a, of a reach there. But, yeah, he could easily be in that conversation as well. Let's do um, Hart trophies, which is MVP. Is it the same list as the Rashard trophy? Are you picking guys outside of that, that list? Where are you looking I hate that? the Hart trophy. I really do. Because it's just a popularity contest. It's, it's a goal scores trophy. I don't think like Austin Matthews won it last year. Austin Matthews is a great player. Is he the best player in the NHL? Is he? No, no. he's not. Is he top three? Probably. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. If you're if you're making a team, if you're building a team, if you're a GM, I don't know if he's top three. You know, you're going Connor McDavid. You're going Kale McCarr. You might even go Drysaddle ahead of him. You might or even McKinnon. go see McKinnon, you're you're going these players over Austin Matthews. For some reason, he wins the Hart Trophy, and this is why we harped on it. We had Marty Turco on. He he, he mentioned it when he was in line to win the Vesna. It was Matthews' turn to win the Hart. McDavid had won it a few times. Dryan Seinel had won it. It was Matthews' turn. He had a great season. He broke the record for the Leafs goal scoring. It was his turn. That was it. No matter what anybody else did, it was his turn. The guy wasn't even top three in, in points. But he wins the Hart Trophy just because he scored 60 goals and he had the luxury of playing alongside Mitch Marner. He's a great goal scorer. 
Don't get me wrong. He's a fantastic goal scorer. But he came, Kaprizov had more points than he did, Dreinsidel, Gaudreau, Huberdeau, McDavid. Kirill Kaprizov put up 108 points playing with Zuccarello and Ryan Hartman. I'm sorry. You put Austin Matthews with Zuccarello and Hartman, we'll see how many goals he gets. Does he get 47? Maybe. I think Kaprizov manufactures more goals last year than, than he does. I'm just saying. And then on the back end, Roman Yossi, career almost put up 100 points, which is unheard of for defensemen. The guy doesn't, it's not even a blip on the radar for MVP. Doesn't even win the, the Norris repeat stick to give it to Kale McCart. It's insane. Kale McCart is a sexy guy. Yeah. Wins the Con Smythe, Colorado, wins the Stanley Cup, give him the Norris. Roman Yossi should have won the Norris last year. It, it, it's all a popularity contest. So to answer your question, the Hart Trophy this year, let's see. Okay. So they gave it to Matthews last year. So it should be McDavid's turn this year. It'll be McDavid again this year. That's my pick. It's I don't like. I hate this award. I hate this award. All right, let's skip ahead to the Norris Trophy then. Do you, do you hate this? Oh one? no, who do you think? I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll say Drysaitel. Again, this is going off the idea that the Edmonton could explode for a major season this year, and I think any chance you have to give it to someone other than McDavid, you should, unless he just goes does so much that you can't possibly make an argument to someone else only because he's going to be in that conversation every year that he's healthy, probably for the rest of his career. So if you can make an argument for another guy, the league probably will want it just to spread it out. Cause if you're going pure, most valuable player or best player in the entire league year after year, it's going to keep being Connor McDavid unless you get creative with it. But is Connor McDavid the most valuable player that that's all around total player. Does he, make the biggest difference on the ice for his team or for any team in general. That's the problem I have with the Hart Trophy because it's just strictly points-driven or goals-driven. They don't take into account everything. And yes, McDavid has worked on the defensive side a little bit better, but when you look at the the players as a whole, and I, I like to put my GM hat on a little bit, if I'm building a championship team and I'm picking one player, who am I taking first? To me, that's the Hart Trophy winner. Last year, Shosturkin should have been that conversation. Huberto should have been that conversation. Roman Yossi, for Pete's sake, should have been in that conversation. And none of these guys were. So, I don't know. That joke. That that award, much like most of these awards, it's just Marty Turco should have won the Vezna. He came on this show, and he said, the reason I didn't win the Vezna because it wasn't my turn. And from the start of the season, all the goalies knew it was who was Brodeur's turn to win it. And it was like, okay. No matter what happens, as long as Brodeur gets between the pipes, doesn't make a fool of himself, he will win that trophy. Turks had more, better numbers than him across the board, and he still didn't win the Vezna. So, what do you like? How can you take an award serious when it's giving out like that? Austin Matthews wasn't top five in points, arguably wasn't the best player on his own team, but yet he wins the most valuable player in the NHL. How can you take that award serious? Much like the All Star game, how can you take it serious that I got voted on? So I know that that's what everyone's going to say. So, yeah. Moving on. Norris. Yoshi should have won it last year. No no crack against Kale McCart. When a guy comes in and he puts up historical numbers, almost gets 100 points, with which only Paul Coffey and Bobby Orr has done, in my recollection, two unbelievable defensemen. When he almost gets to that mark and you don't give him the Norris trophy, what are we doing? What are we doing? I get Kale McCarr is a generational talent. The guy is unbelievable. He will break every goal scoring metric for defenseman in my mind if he stays healthy. There's no doubt about that. 
He hit the sweet spot. He's with Colorado. He's doing things no other defenseman has done. Last year, why does he get this award? Why? Tim, tell me. Tell me. You're an NHL insider. Tell me why. Because he's young and exciting and marketable, and that's that's the league picked him over Roman Yossi. He had 10 points less. 10 points less. Yeah. But anyways, this year, Norris Trophy. Let's see. Yossi won it. Has Yossi ever won it? I don't know. I don't think so. Not sure. So maybe Roman Yossi will win it because Adam Fox won it two years ago. Hedman won it three years ago. Carlson, I believe, won it four years ago. Um, Who else would there be? Maybe a Latang has a resurgence here. You throw Quinn Hughes, maybe he takes the next step. It's got to be Roman Yossi this year, unless Kale McCarr hits a hundred points. And so I'm going. I'm going McCarr Yossi. It, uh, ah, ah. Who do you think? Yeah, I I'm looking up. I think Yossi actually did win it a couple of years ago. So yeah, he won 2020. Adam Fox 2021. Kale McCarr. I mean, one of those three guys is going to win. I'm going to say Adam Fox. Um, it has kind of become kind of boring now. You're right. Well, it's the. I just wish they would, they would just vote the player who deserves it. I don't know. Maybe I'm being crazy, but yeah, I think for the next five to ten years, it's going to be the Fox McCarr show. It should be. Those two guys are lights out. The two most exciting young defensemen in the NHL. They do things that not a lot of people can do. So I think it's going to be Fox McCarr show. Yossi's right up there, but for. For the next five years, those two guys, Tim, they, they are very, very, very good. All right. The Vesna, Tim. What are we doing for the Vesna now? I mean, it's going to be Shesterkin or Vasilevsky most likely, right? I, I believe uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there's a, a Markstrom or a Demko or an Ottinger that takes a big step forward. But those are the two best goalies in the league. And there's a, they're clear tier above the, ne- the third one up at this point, right? Well, I think UC Soros is there. I think he will will continue to progress. Nashville has a good team. And we'll, we'll talk about this maybe later in the show. They they have done a lot of good things this year, this offseason. They will be a good team this year. So don't count out UC Saros. And a guy last year who started out strong, maybe they sputtered near the end a little bit and you saw it in the playoffs, so Jakob Markstrom or Jacob Markstrom, however you want to pronounce it. I think those four, Saros, Markstrom, Vasilevsky, and Saros, those four guys are the guys who should win it. Maybe a Connor Hellebuck jumps in there if he can just not die under the weight of the terrible team that the Winnipeg Jets will be. I saw a report, Toronto sniffing around, kicking the tires on Connor Hellebuck. The guy's got a good contract, makes $6 million, been one of the best goalies for the last five years now. Why not? Why not? If Matt Murray flutters or falters or just plays like he has been doing the last three years and sucks, why would you just take that risk and hopefully he you know rounds into form? Imagine if they got Connor Hellebuck. If the Leafs go out and somehow get Connor Hellebuck, are they the the Stanley Cup content? Like, uh, what's it called? Stanley Favorites. Cup front, front runners. Yeah, yeah, they have to be with Hellebuck, right? Well, yes and no. He he wasn't great last year, um, and he hasn't had a great season. So I I don't know. Maybe a change of pace. We know there's something up with Winnipeg's locker room, their culture, all kind of reports coming out about that. And so maybe he's just unhappy. Maybe he's not motivated. I don't know. He was healthy. He's a workhorse. So yeah, if they if they get out and get him, and he's capable of playing, or he plays the way that he's capable of, they have to be a top two or three favorite in the entire league at that point. Well, yeah, and he did have a decent season. The Jets are just garbage, like legit. They were bad last year. I think all the metrics, goals above replacement, goals saved that should have went in, all that stuff. 
he's right up there with all the goaltenders. Like he's a good goalie tip. You put him on Toronto, who has a good defense and a pretty high end offense who controls the puck. Whew, they would be my Stanley Cup front runners right there. They really would be if they get their biggest mistake is getting Matt Murray, and that will cost Dubas's job. You watch, such a bad acquisition. So, so incredibly bad. dumb by him. I still don't understand this. Hellbook makes $6 million. They can bring him in, make it work under the salary cap. They, they have to do that. They have to oh, do it. It's crazy to me. Like The team has so much pressure and has underperformed and has got all these expectations and eyeballs on them. And the people's careers and jobs are on the line. This is it. Like You've got maybe two more years of Matthews. Like You need to put it all in this year. You need to stop. You know, beating around the bush. And who were their guys in that this year? Who do they hitch their horse to? Matt Murray, Ilya Samsonov. That's that's who they're rolling with. It's almost like it's almost like a like a spoof. It's like it's like the GM's like playing a character for a sitcom. There's no way that's what he actually thinks is the right approach to this. You know what I mean? It's, it's laughable. Crazy. It's laughable when you look laugh at the track. stats from laugh last track. year. I'm looking at the stats from last year, and you got to scroll a long way until you get to a goalie that's playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs this next season. Like, there's a lot of goalies in this this NHL league until you get to, gosh, Matt Murray isn't even on the first page of of, of goals against average. <sighs> Toronto. I hope it works out for him. All the best. All right, the four division winners, Tim, which mean absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things. But last year, the division winner did win the Stanley Cup. So who are taking all four divisions, Tim? Let's start with the dumpster fire that will be the Pacific Division. Who do you got, Tim? I'm going to go with Edmonton. I'm taking Calgary. I can't. I cannot. Is it Vegas? It can't be Vegas. I'm I'm going to take the Calgary Flames. I, I think that getting Huberto, getting Caudry, getting Uyghur, I think they had a fantastic offseason. For all the turmoil that was surrounding that team, I know Edmonton re-signed Kane. That was a big deal for them. I think Calgary just nailed it this offseason. And I, st- I don't think they're done. I think when it comes to the deadline, they're going to have a couple first-rounders that maybe they can dangle, get a couple more players. And that's going to be a fun season. That Pacific Division will be very, very fun. Okay, uh, let's look at the Central. Who's your pick there? Is it going to go with the automatic pick, Colorado? Can you stretch it out to another team? Who do you like there? It's got to be Colorado. Like, yeah. is, is Minnesota going to all of a sudden jump up and catch them? Is St. Louis going to jump up and get them? I, I just don't see any team catching the Colorado Avalanche. They're, they're too incredibly good. I don't know. I don't know. Dallas regressed. I don't know. It's the Avalanche. I, I really don't see anybody competing with them in the Central or the Western Conference for that matter. They, they have to be the prohibitive favorite coming out of the Western Conference. Yeah, I would love to pick the Wild or the Blues, but it's the Avs. It has to be. It has to be. Yeah. I don't think those two teams added anybody who's worth note. Minnesota, we'll touch on it in a little bit. They had to trade Kulikov. They're in salary cap hell right now. We we said it last year, the trade deadline. You have to go for it. This year, you're getting hit with the Parisi salary cap situation, the Sutter salary cap situation. You're eating so much dead money. They're just treading water right now. They will put a competitive team on the ice, but they're at such just they're playing from behind because you're losing all that salary. What is what was it like four, five, six million dollars they're losing in dead money just because of those two contracts for the next three years? It's a lot of money, especially in this salary cap tightened era. It's, it's hard to compete. It's twelve million. It's six <laughs> each. 
12.7. Yeah. That's so much money. That yeah. is a Connor McDavid that you could have on your team that you're eating for how many years, Tim? Is it two, three? It's, so it's 12 for this year, 14 next year, 14 the year after, and then it jumped down to one for like three or four more years. Oh, poor Billy Guerin had to unravel this, this garbage heap that he got handed to him by Chuck Fletcher. Like he came into a situation that was you knew there was going to be some growing pains and it was because of all these bad contracts that he had to weave his way through and he, and he's dealing with it now. Like this, this is a situation that he is, he's trying to make work and put a competitive team on the ice. I don't know how he managed to sign Marc-Andre Fleury. This guy, he's a good GM, this Billy Garrett. I, I like what he's doing. He had to give Kulikov up for free just because they had no cap space. They have a great defense. They got a young kid who's coming up who's going to make a, make an impact. But even then, like, Kulikov played well for them last year, and he just has to let him walk for free because Chuck Fletcher just tied him to just terrible, terrible, terrible contracts. All right, what other divisions are we looking at here? Eastern Conference, the Atlantic. Last year, the Florida Panthers didn't run away with it, but ended up winning the division by seven points. Got Toronto, got Tampa, you got Boston. Did any of those teams improve? I don't think so. Did Florida improve? Maybe. The team that improved the most in this division was the Ottawa Senators. They came seventh. Detroit did some work in the offseason. They're going to be a little more competitive. Who wins this Atlantic division, Tim? Uh, I'm going to go with Toronto. Again, just kind of teased them out earlier. They seem like the best team, especially in the regular season at this point. So that's who I would pick unless I don't like, until it, proven otherwise. You can't trust a goalie. Yeah. I don't know how you can rightfully trust this goaltending duo. We just talked about it. They're terrible. They're absolutely garbage. Jack Campbell played well for them last year. He played very, very well for Toronto. They got 115 points. They still lost in the first round. Tampa, they'll be always be there. I'm taking Florida again. I don't think they'll win the President's Trophy. I do think they'll win this division. They're, Florida's good. They're, they're a good team. They lose a couple pieces. They bring in Kachuk. Hopefully, he's the answer. They lose Wegar. They still have a pretty good defense. I'm taking Florida, Tim. Uh, you know, The Atlantic all of a sudden isn't looking as strong. As teams get older, GMs make mistakes. Like, how are the Boston Bruins going to look? How is Krejci going to remold himself into this team? Is he going to come back in seamlessly, just join this team, be a 1A second-line center? Or that year away really hurt his game? I don't know. There's a lot of question marks in this division. Can Tampa get back to that spot, win the Stanley Cup? I know they went to it last year, but this is year four. These guys have got to be pretty tired. Three straight Stanley Cups. How's Toronto mentally going into this season, knowing that they didn't do much this offseason? They lose Makiev, bringing Matt Murray for Pete's sake. They, I don't know, Tim. This division all of a sudden could be up for grabs. Yeah, you're probably right. But again, when you got Matthews and Marner and all the firepower, and the, I mean, if the goalie is just not terrible, they're going to win some regular season games. Now, in the playoff, that's going to change everything. But I still think they'll, be the, they'll have the most wins at this point. Disagree. Florida. All right, moving on. The best division still, in my mind, coming in the Metropolitan Division. Some he- some heavyweights in this division. Pittsburgh and Washington don't seem to age at all. Who are you taking? The Islanders. Oof, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna not look good this year. But who do you got, Tim, in this uh, Metro Division? Yeah, I mean, I like the Hurricanes. You know, we talked about them potentially winning the President's Trophy. So I ended up going with the Rangers, so I'll pick that team. But like you said, there's not really a lot of weak spots here. Even like New Jersey is going to take some steps forward. I want to see what Jack Hughes is going to do. 
the Islanders can't. <laughs> of course, you do. <laughs> can't be that bad again. The Islanders are not a bottom feeding team. I don't care what they did last year. Now, are they a playoff team? Probably not. And then you still got the Flyers, who are going to be hot garbage. You still got Columbus adding Gaudreau. You got line A. Like, what is that line going to do? We don't know yet. But I still think this is a, probably the best division, like you said. I think the Islanders can be that bad again. I really do. I think they will be a worse team this year than they were last year. But we'll see. I know stranger things have happened. I think Pittsburgh will be good. Washington, uh, Ovi. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this division is as strong as we think it is. Columbus brings in Gaudreau. They got line A locked up. Rumors are, are swirling that Patty Kane might be linked to Columbus. Once he eventually says, I would like to be traded, him and Johnny Taves are saying all the right things. We're going to see how the season starts. Those guys will get traded. Columbus, maybe he's in the mix there. I don't know. Philly, see how Torts maybe can turn that franchise around. They have some decent pieces. I don't know. Maybe the Atlantic's the strongest division. Maybe Dumpster Fire Pacific can find their way. Now that Edmonton had pulled it together, Calgary's looking pretty good. Vegas, can they have a bounce-back season with Eichel? Can Stone all of a sudden get healthy? Word is, Brassois is going to be out until January. What is going on with these, like, the trainers just doing terrible work? Vegas, they said he was going to be back at the start of the season. Now he's done till January? He's like, someone should be fired. Someone should be fired for that uh that mishap. All right, what are we doing now, Tim? DoorDash. We're doing some DoorDash. I'm hungry. Are you hungry? It's lunch. I, Let's get some lunch, Tim. I'm going to order up DoorDash, and you should too, everybody. It's super easy. Fire it up on your phone, your tablet, your computer, wherever you surf the internet. Fire up DoorDash.com. Use our promo code GlovesDD if you're in Canada, GlovesDD US if you're in the US of A. You get 25% off free delivery. It's a fantastic company. Tim uses them. I love them. You should use them too. They get you your food. They get it hot tea. They get it cold tea. Whether you want sushi, whether you want some hot dogs. Oh, gotta love some hot dogs on Labor Day. Get DoorDash. I dare you. All right, Tim, what are we doing next? Yeah, let's wrap up with some quick hits uh, by our friends from PointsBet. Check them out for all your gambling needs. You got the baseball season going. You got hockey starting up. Football starting up. Check out points bet. Um, the first one here, Ryan Murray signed with the Edmonton Oilers for a league minimum, or maybe just above the 850, I think. This guy, when I saw his name come across the ticker, I was like, wait a minute, is that the same Ryan Murray that went second overall a handful of years back? And I looked at his stats, and he has not really even played many full seasons in the <laughs> NHL. He's got like, I don't know, 200 something games, 300 games, something like that. 456. 456 in 10 years. Um, not a great career. I, I think we can label that a bust. And then you and I were talking about that whole draft. John, do you, do you have those top three names in front of you? I know you do. What was it? Yakupov, <coughs> Murray, and... Galchenyuk. Galchenyuk. Just a murderer's row of busts, if I've ever heard of them. I that was the want... one, two, three. That's crazy. To all the listeners out there, is this the worst top three in NHL history? I don't know. If you ha- if you know of a worse top three, fire us a tweet. This would be a good debate. I would like to get down and dirty with this. Galchenyuk's not in the league anymore that I know of. Yakupov's not in the league anymore. And Murray, he's, he's getting a- another chance. He could be out of the league pretty soon as well. Is there a, a worse top three? Because I don't think there is. This is really bad. This is a really bad draft. But yes, he's going to Edmonton where he will get a chance. 
This could be a sneaky, decent signing. They lose Duncan Keith. They can ease him into that third pairing, potentially. I don't mind Ryan Murray. I think he's a good defenseman. When he came out, I thought he was going to be a stud. They had Seth Jones. They had Warinsky. They had a couple other good young defensemen. Now, all of a sudden, nobody wants him. He can't stay on the team. He's bounced around a little bit. New Jersey, Colorado, left Columbus, obviously. Will he find some footing at Edmonton? He's an, He's not really the offensive guy that you would expect him to be based on a number two overall pick, but he's a good player. Can make a decent first pass if you give him a little bit of time, but we'll see. This could turn out to be a really good signing for Edmonton. This Don't put any pressure on him. Give him 12, 17 minutes a game. I don't know. I don't mind this signing by uh, Holland over there in Edmonton. Next one up. Over the weekend, Dmitry Kulikov was traded to the Ducks from the Minnesota Wild. I was looking at his numbers. Didn't it feel like he's been around forever? He's been in the league since 09. He's only 31 years old. Like he's he's got some miles on him, but he's but he's a you know he's still got some some length to his career. He can still play some heavy minutes. He's more of like a, a role-playing, you know, bottom-pairing defenseman at this point. But he's no he's no slouch. 24 points last year. He's, he's a solid defenseman. I think, uh, again, like you mentioned with the Minnesota Wildcap issues, that's one of those guys that they just couldn't afford to keep around. So too bad for them. Good pickup by Anaheim. Great pickup by Anaheim. I, I like this pickup. So, yeah, you know, what are you going to do? Anaheim all of a sudden has Klingberg and Kulikov. Their defense looking pretty solid. Two pieces that at the deadline, if they're not doing so well, they're getting first rounders for these guys. So Pat Verbeek, he is another good GM. He's very shrewd with his money. He doesn't negotiate with players. We have saw what he's done with his young EC, ELC guys or guys who are kind of hardballing him. He just trades them. He's like, hey, you want to hardball me? Peace. Take care. Comb your hair. I'll see you next week. He's bringing in these guys with the expectation of trading them at the deadline. It's it's a super smart move. I like this signing. Kulikov, or not signing this trade. Kulikov is a good defenseman. Verbeek is seeing a weakness in another team, and he's exploiting it. It's exactly what a good GM to, should do. Eiserman's doing the same thing in Detroit. Ottawa's doing the same thing. They're very, very shrewd, smart GM work by these guys. Okay, I thought we'd wrap up with a couple of trivia questions. I put one out on Twitter. I know you like being put on the spot. Okay, the first one. Which player, not named Gretzky over Mew, had the most points in a single season in the NHL? Okay, what? Which player had the most points in a single NHL season that wasn't named Gretzky over Mew? Oh, of all time. Yeah. Hmm. You think it would be a guy who – was it someone who played on their line, like a Yager? Someone who played on their team, or is it someone completely different? Different, different. Team. Played with against these guys, same era, but no. Is it a Howard Chuck, or uh, who is it? I don't know. That's that's a hard question. Yeah, Steve Eiserman had one hundred and fifty-five points in eighty-eight, eighty-nine. Look at that! Interesting. Played with Fedorov and uh, somebody else, Shanahan, maybe Kozlov. Right. Yeah. Um, how many times has a player scored 70 goals in a season? We're going to do prices, right? Rules. So it's hot. if you go over you you lose. And one player you count every season. He's gone over 70 goals, correct? Yeah. How many instances have there been in which a player scored 70 goals? <sighs> okay. I will go five. Way more uh, here. Way more? 14. 14. How many times did Gretzky do it? 
Uh, I don't have it in front of me. Probably like six or seven. I don't know. Do you have the list of players who have done it? Like, did Lemieux do it? Did Burray do it? Did McGillney do it? I know McGillney got 76 one year. Yeah, I looked it up this morning. Here we go. Um, so Gretzky did it one, two, three, four times. Lemieux did it one, two times. He had 69 another year. Solani did it, obviously. Yari Curry did it. Brett Hull did it three times. Esposito did it. McGillney. Um, and, yeah. One name I was surprised by, Bernie Nichols had 70 goals one year. Wow. Bernie. seemed like he's, yeah, in that, that tier. But, yeah, it's a good list, obviously. That's when he was playing with Gretzky, I believe, in L.A. Had to be. Probably. Had to be. It's all about who passes you the puck. Get ready to bring it. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> You're not getting 40 this season. All right, Tim, okay. what's the last one we're doing here? This one might actually be the hardest one. Who has the most power play goals in a single season, and how many power play goals did they score? Is it Dave Anderchuk? No. For some reason, I thought he had like the most power play points or something. He's, he's second. He's second. Is it Wayne? It's a little bit random. He's a good player, but it's random. It's random. a good bit of trivia. What, what era? Uh, it happened in 85-86. Is it like a Martin Straka? I don't know. Tim Kerr. Tim Kerr. 34 no. power play goals. What? Yeah. With, what? What team was he on? Uh, let's see. He was on... Philadelphia Flyers. That is random. Holy moly. He had 84 points. The big guy was Brian Prop that year, 97 points. Mark Howe, Dave Poulin, Ron Sutter. It's a good team. No idea. No idea who Tim Kerr even was. That shows you how much I know about hockey. No idea who that was. But, yes, that is a tough trivia question. I like those, Tim. That was very. That was really fun. Thanks for doing that. Thanks for participating. All right. Well, anyways, thanks for listening, everybody. I appreciate the support. Uh, Go jam us a like wherever you listen to us, and we will talk to you Thursday. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.